Hi everyone! Nathan Gould here alongside Lazarus Gremos for making waves on the back peg. And we are speaking the morning after the night before, and what a night before it was. The Matildas are through to a World Cup semi-final, where no Australian team has ever gone before, and what a way to do it. Morning, Nathan. Barely can talk. Incredible evening, especially being out at Stadium Australia last night and in the grounds there. Watching it on the big screen with I don't even know how many. It must have been more than the 75,000 that attended England Columbia last night. It was just insane out there. Absolutely insane. And WTF just happened. Yeah. That's what I it's like. Honestly, <laughs> it's incredible. Absolutely incredible, Nathan. You've had a big 72 hours yourself. And I think this is the highlight of the 72 hours, to be fair. I mean, we'll come on to it later. But sure. you're right. I'm. I'm I don't think you'd, you're going to go a long way to find someone who's had a bigger highlight in the past 72 hours That's than true. the Matildas. <laughs> <laughs> and someone out there, someone will have a bigger highlight and, uh, geez, they must be on top of the world. L- let us know about it because we'd like to know. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was, as a standalone game of football, forget the vested interest that we have being Matilda supporters. As a standalone game of football, you would go a long way to find a dr- more dramatic game. Mm, and a more yeah. evenly matched game. I mean, the World Cup, the men's World Cup final was incredible, right? And probably the best game of football I've seen. But this game between France and Australia was absolutely, uh, I'm lost for words. It was just insane. The quality of football that was on display, the ebb and the flow of the game, the drama, the chances, the coaching battle between the two coaches, and just the pure raw emotion of the game. And then to have the. Chances saved off the line. The goalkeeping saves done. You know the disallowed goal, which you know was quite rightly disallowed. Um, and then the drama of the penalty shootout, and have the longest ever penalty shootout in a World Cup, both men's and women's. Just incredible, and I'm all for it. I'm all for it, <laughs> especially if the result goes your way. I'm all for it. Oh, yes, <laughs> it does help, doesn't it? Uh, uh, when absolutely, everyone here gets a result that they want, and. I can just take over the thoughts. It's just an amazing game of football. I'm going to say one. With, um, with the Matildas hat on and mm. otherwise. Mm. Just, as you say, the high drama in the game, the fact that we did have Alana Kennedy's own goal ruled out, I, I, my heart sank when it mm. happened. Yep. And part of me thought that they would allow it anyway because Wendy Renard didn't foul Alana Kennedy. Mm. But I thought, yeah, oh, yeah, are they going to give this? Are they going to give this? Thankfully, they didn't. Um, Just amazing. And... The response to the game and all the videos online I'm seeing of people celebrating around the country, it's just amazing to see. I've never seen Australia get around a sporting event in this manner for a very long time. Nathan, I two things. I posted something on LinkedIn this morning, right, and I'll find it. But as I find it, I thought the very first thought I had this morning was that John Didalitza needs to do a special edition of his Football Belongs podcast and include this as a chapter. Because what we saw last night is a football match which changes the course of football in this country. And I don't think I'm, I'm overstating that. It was of significant importance. And that's what John Didalitza did highlight in his Football Belongs podcast series. And this is up there. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I think it, it warrants a separate pot on, the, on this. I mean, once the World Cup is done and dusted, right? But this game in particular is one that will be etched in the memory of those who happened to be you know alive and, and watched it uh, for a long time to come in this country. I don't think you can overstate the impact that last night will have on the Australian sporting landscape mm. and everyone's thoughts on the Australian women's national team and football in general. Mm. Last night was one of the only times I can ever remember where the other codes admitted they weren't the main stage. Yep. I've never seen the AFL and the NRL sort of not bow down but make allowances for football. I've never seen it before. Yeah. No, incredible. It's amazing to see. Some of the videos I was talking about where at the MCG for the first period of the game, whichever game it was, yep. the, the ground was half empty because everyone was in the concourse watching the screens, watching the Matildas. Amazing, amazing. The context that you've just provided to that video then is because uh, I was unaware at what stage of the night or mm. proceedings that was. But if you're telling me that that was during the first quarter of a AFL game, insane, insane. I've never seen anything like it. Yep. Well, and... And you won't ever again, right? Because of the fact that it was Saturday, 5 p.m., mm. uh, 5 p.m. kickoff. So I- incredible, incredible. And yeah, it is, um, you know, Johnny Warren and Les Murray told us so. It's that simple. 
it is that simple, right? And um, it, it, it was always going to be a matter of time, place, and the right circumstances. And to have that, especially in, a, in AFL Heartland, and you don't get much more AFL Heartland than the MCG, <laughs> incredible. But um, tell me your thoughts. I posted this earlier this morning. The most dramatic of football matches, correction, the most dramatic sporting event played out in this country, right? The beautiful game is on. Is the only sport that delivers this drama. It's the, the most dramatic sporting event between two teams in team sport ever played out. You go a long way to yeah. find another one of that yeah. kind of significance. Of course, and it's hard to argue. There's, I'm sure, a few examples that people can come up with for ones that are in the same sort of realm, and but it just points to this team and what they've been able to deliver, and this tournament and what it's been able to deliver. The ratings have come out from last night, and is the highest viewed sporting event since Kathy Freeman in the Sydney Olympics. Not surprised. Eclipsing everything, AFL, NRL, cricket, whatever related. Yep. And the best part is it's only the quarterfinal. It will be bigger again on Wednesday night. Oh, oh Wednesday night is going to be huge. <laughs> and bigger still on Sunday if yeah. they manage to get through Wednesday That's night. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. As I said just before, I've never seen Australia get around a single sporting event like last night. No. Never seen it. No. No. And um, look, we lived through the Olympics. I remember it pretty well, but it it was, yes, it was a great time. It was a great 16-day period, but nothing like this um, for a single sport ever. And it did feel like the nation stopped yesterday at five o'clock. I, I, like, I was gobsmacked by the number of people that already were around Stadium Australia soaking up the atmosphere, right? And I can tell you that it, I, there must have been in excess of 100,000 people there easily. That was a word of a lie. Um, yeah, wow. That, it, it, that would have been just, the place to be in Western yeah, Sydney. Yeah, it, it was just insane. Insane. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Because yeah. Tumblong would have been full. Mm. The, I saw a graphic go around for all the live sites across Sydney. They all would have been packed to the rafters. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's just yeah. amazing. I can't believe it. Yeah. Look, we thought coming into this tournament that it would have a big effect and everyone would get around the tournament. Mm. I don't think we realised how big of an effect it would have been. And yes... That goes hand in hand with the the hosts doing well. Correct. Of course it does. Correct. If Australia went out in the group stage, we wouldn't be having what we saw last night in terms Definitely of audience not. or whatever. But what has transpired, it must have transformative effects for the sport. Let's hope so. I believe it does. I believe it will. I believe it will. It, 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 that's a watershed moment in sporting history here in this country and cultural history as well of this country because it, it's just it, it's just mind boggling. What uh, what the country is actually going through, and, and people are lost words, and quite rightly, right? And look, yes, we're emotional about the game because we love it, and we want to see it progress, and we want to do it well, and we know the kind of effect. And we've said it before when the Socceroos were enjoying success in, in the recent Men's World Cup. No other teams can unite this country the way that the Socceroos, and in particular the Matildas, do. It, it's that simple. Um, so job well done to the Tillies, and let's talk about the game itself. I mean, I know we've touched on it, but tell me your thoughts of the game. Yeah, we. Sort of covered off the wider reaching part of it. And just one final point on that. It's a great time to be an Australian football supporter. Talking about last night, this tournament, the soccer is back in November, December. And on the club front, everything surrounding Postacoglu and Tottenham. It's an incredible time to be an Australian football supporter. And long may continue. And hopefully this is just the beginning of a new era for the game down here. On the game last night, really fascinating to see it play out. You mentioned at the top of the show that the game was ebbing and flowing. It certainly was. There were long periods of the game where the Matildas were the better side. Then it flipped and flipped back again. I think, oh, I mean, how early do you want to go on some big tactical calls? But the yeah. Matildas were, I think, for the worse when Sam Kerr came on. They resorted to, hey, let's find Sam and play the ball to Sam. Rather That's than, what it devolved into. Yeah, rather than just playing the game that was in front of them and taking the opportunities and actually taking ownership and, and, and the onus on themselves and actually playing as they have without Sam. It, it did evolve to that. But then during part of the extra time process uh, period, I should say, it you know, the process changed, right? It, it, it definitely went to more of a, a team performance rather than, hey, let's find the Sam and get the ball to Sam, right? Yeah, because before she came on, they were creating chances themselves. And Mary Fowler on another running of that game could have had a hat trick. Absolutely. And Matilda's go through in 90 minutes, no dramas. Absolutely. And look, one was a fantastic block on the line. Another, she should have slipped the ball to 40, who was completely open. It's just moments like that. And as I was watching it unfold, it was massive chance after massive chance. Combine that with the two opportunities that the Matildas had in the shootout to win it, mm. where Macca hits the post. Oh, what a shot, though. 
We'll get oh, the, the penalty shootout, right? We will. And yeah. Claire Hunt, having been saved as well, I was thinking, oh, no, not like this. No. Not no, like this. Right. We've had so many chances. I was thinking, it was the end of the point where I was thinking, oh, are we going home here? Yep, yep, yep. Um, with regard to Fowler. So many moments. Yeah. So with, many moments. Yeah, you're right. You're right. With regard to Mary Fowler, I think she's done it. She did everything right, though. Yes, she could have passed the forward on that other chance, right? But you would not begrudge a striker or an attacking player taking on those opportunities at that at that period of time. So the one that saved off the line, she's hit it first time. <laughs> That's what you want. Yeah. Right? Um, so she, she played well. I mean, and look, full credit to the French too. They were unreal. And it took two teams of this caliber to get the best out of each other. And by goodness, they did. Right, it was just an absolute enthralling game. It was two two heavyweights at the top of their game going round for round and just not giving an inch. Right, there was a lot of fight shown in that game, a lot of determination, and played in the right spirit as well. To be fair, both mm, teams yeah. took on you know took on each other, and whoever was going to be take advantage of their opportunities would have quite rightly been the winner. But the caliber of keeping as well in this game was insane. Like that save from Rasso. In the second half, mm, yeah, oh, brilliant, brilliant save. I mean, just the quality of football around was brilliant from both teams. And full credit goes to the French because they they played their part in this game. And and you're only as good as your opponent, you know, wants you to be or allows you to be, or as good as you apply yourself. And both teams applied themselves brilliantly. Yeah, they absolutely did, and it's fantastic to see. Um, Who won the coaching battle? I, I split it even now. Renard did swing in the second in the second part of the second half. Renard made some great changes and just changed the game altogether, coinciding with Kerr coming on when she did. Yeah, he anticipated that very well, Renard, mm. and that was the think, most significant part of the game. There, it was, and I think I don't think the result should factor into who won the coaching battle because okay. mm-hmm. yes, tactics play a massive role in it. But at the end of the day, Tony G is not the one out there on the end of a chance. That's right. So you can coach a perfect game, but still lose mm. just by the way of how things pan out. And Correct. I do think Harvey Renard would have come out with a win in the coaching battle. So mm. essentially what you were just saying, the last quarter of the game, of the 90 minutes anyway, it was absolutely the French. And it was getting to a point where it was looking when, not if they would score. Yep. Again, with Australia, it's the substitutions. Yeah, that's the only thing I can fault. Because it's 120 minutes in those legs, and what is it, seven or eight of the players have pretty much started every game or played 80 minutes every game. Mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't, but it may come back to haunt us, especially Same. with the short turnaround to Wednesday. Mm. I would have loved to have seen Chids play, Same. of course. I fear we're not going to see gonna be, I think it was either going to be Chids or Vine yeah. for Rasso. I, I fear we're not going to see Chidiak in this World Cup again on the field, unfortunately. I don't know why. Me neither. I'm at a loss. So, do you have any sort of inkling whatsoever? Because I'm, I'm, I've got nothing. The only thing I can think of is if Chids, if Australia happens to be behind, and then he'll throw Chidiak on to be that game breaker that he refers to. That's the only thing I can think of. But which is okay to have up your sleeve. But the game was crying out for someone like Chidiak to actually put a foot on the ball, hold it up, let players run off her, create space and time, and and go from there. Right. But look, at the end of the day. Um, they were able to defensively hang on. And look, Australia were very sound defensively, very sound defensively. I'd say with the one exception for the time for about five or so minutes that started when when Alana Kennedy thought she'd scored her own goal. Mm-hmm. The few minutes after that, you could tell that she was rattled by it. Yep. And there was a point not long after that where if, I can't remember the French player who it was, but yep. if she had went to ground, she was in behind. Was it Diani? It could have been Diani. Yeah, yeah. If... She played for a red card, she would have got it mm. because Alana Kenny was holding her shirt back when she was through on goal. And mm. to Diani's credit, she didn't go down mm. looking for a red card, but that was very close, very yeah. close. And that five-minute period, I think, was the only time where they were probably... Yeah, there's a lapse coming. Probably uh, rattled mm. on the back. Mm. And yes, they had the chances that beyond that, the French, but I think that's the only time where Australia looked a bit ragged. Mm. Yeah, whilst the, you know, I would say that uh, for the f- first quarter of the second half, France were really rattled. And the second half of the first half. Yeah, they were. They were. They were on the ropes. Yep. Yep. They were on the ropes. They've come 55 to 60 minutes. They were on the ropes. Incredible game. Incredible game. And uh, we heard from Maylise actually overnight, who took part in our uh, 
preview with the, the group containing France and uh, Maylise happened to be in Brisbane and uh, shout out to Maylise. And um, her quote, or her thoughts were, crazy game. She's naturally a bit disappointed, but Australia was amazing and that she'll remember that penalty shootout for a very, very long time. And Maylise, you won't be the only one, I can tell you. That was in, you know a historic penalty shootout in the annals of, of uh, World Cup football. Amazing. 20 penalties. It was already a record for Sweden USA in the last round mm. for the longest ever World Cup shootout, men or women. To go up to 20 and the drama filled with that, it, it, it was a wild shootout. It seemed like something crazy was happening on every single kick. True. The almost save on Katrina Gori's penalty, mm. the double save that Mackenzie Arnold had to make because she had a foot off the line on the first attempt. The miss that she has, the miss that Mackenzie Arnold has, I mean, as she struck that penalty so well, just, you know, again, millimetres, right? To go for the match-winning penalty, to hit, to rattle the post in the way that she did, to go through those saves that she did, to go through the uh, retake, and that's the first retake that's missed at this World Cup, by the way, beating normal play and penalty shootout. And probably the first time it's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And full credit to, uh, to Mackenzie Arnold because it was a hell of a performance and mental fortitude like no other. Yeah, and Tony G mentioned it in the post-match and – I can echo his thoughts now that for Mackenzie Arnold to come back from missing her shot with the chance to win it, to come back and then make saves, and it was, what, two more saves mm. after she missed? Mm. Just the mental strength is amazing. And to come back from that alongside everything else that was going on, this just hats off to her. Just incredible to see. Incredible to see. And so many moments in that shootout. It would have been... It, it was like a movie where Mackenzie Arnold saves the penalty... Yep. Steps up for the fifth one to put Australia through. Not to be. And Claire Hunt, Not the newcomer be. on the scene, I put it in Australia's top three performances at this tournament to score the winning penalty. Not to be. Almost fooled the keeper. Almost fooled the Almost, keeper. Yeah. Almost and what a save that was. Oh. What a save. Look, it was worth the substitution, that save. Yeah. It's it's that simple, right? Just incredible. Incredible. Incredible drama. Incredible drama. And Courtney Vine, well done. Yeah. You know. Tenth taker. Didn't look it. Did not look it. Incredible. With the composure to be worthy of one of the first five. Confidence as to well. To go that she, far down the list and have that yeah, that sort of confidence. She was running as soon as she, she was running as soon as she hit it. Yeah. Yep. She knew. She knew. Just insane. So well done. Well done. Well done all around. And onwards to Wednesday. Semi final at the Stadium Australia against the Lionesses, who I happen to see and I'll tell you what, that was a bit of a Stand them, you know, stand them up, knock them down kind of game as well <laughs> in its own way. I, I don't know where all these Colombians came out from. I have no idea. But They wouldn't the, have pre-booked tickets, I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have thought. But the stadium was, i yep. tell you what, it was by, by and large, the Colombians outnumbered the English. Wow, amazing. Yep. What time did you get into the stadium? Because oh, the, as, that's the case. That's, <laughs> that's the beauty of it. <laughs> so that's the beauty of it. And look, well done to the organisers because, to be fair, the longer the – like so, well, the game wrapped up at around about five past eight, if I'm not mistaken. Everyone went nuts. Everybody celebrated and then realised, shit, we've got to get inside the stadium now. <laughs> <laughs> So this sea of humanity is going towards all the gates, you know, in all different parts, in all different directions. But it managed to go pretty well. I mean, look, the spirit of the place was fantastic. You know, um, the mood was incredible. The Colombians were out banging the drums anyway, um, you know, and then they uh, decided to uh, go in um, at a certain point. But you could hear them whilst the penalty shootout was, hang- was happening. So it was just incredible. But, um, yeah, no, we managed to get in uh, into our seats you know, before kickoff and it wasn't an issue. It was it was really good. So credit to uh, everyone that was, you know, uh, that worked that um, that game at Stadium Australia last night because they managed to get people, in, you know, in pretty quickly and effectively and with the security checks and all that. But uh, what an atmosphere around that area when when Australia won. And then, you know, realising, hey, we've got to get to our seats. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, amazing. How the timing of it works out and we thought... The Australia-France game would have... Well, there was a chance it was always going to go to penalties. It was that close coming into it. So it's great that they were able to get everyone in with their LTVs. It was... Well, obviously, we knew why, but when the players were walking out, <clears throat> when the players were walking out to a, a half-empty stadium, it seemed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're thinking, where is everyone? Ah, yes, still coming in, of yep. course. 
Yeah. The game had been sold out for some time. Yeah. Big crowd. Big crowd. Again, similar yeah. to Australia, Denmark. So just shy of 75,800. So, in, you know, um, well done. Well done. They're just a brilliant crowd. And what did you make of the game, Les? England scraping through? England looked like they were going to score against Colombia every time they went forward. But they were lacking something. They were lacking something. And why I say that is because, so they looked threatening, but they weren't able to to really put Colombia to the sword in any way. Colombia scrambled, um, very you know, by and large, pretty well. But two defensive errors, gifts, you know, England's goals. And that's the telling thing for me. That's a really telling thing. So the goalkeeper gifts the goal at the end of the first half, right? But you could tell that was coming. You could tell that was coming. Just the sustained pressure from England, you know, and the way that they were moving the ball and Colombia couldn't get near them for after Colombia scored their goal. But um, And look, the second goal, uh, Stanaway's pass is great, but the defender makes an error and allows Russo to take the turn, take the shot first time and great finish, right? But that's the second time I've seen England live and in this World Cup, and I think that they're gettable. I agree with you. You can look at their entire tournament. They rode their luck against Denmark and got the three points based on a Lauren James wonder strike. They rode their luck against Haiti. And yes, China were shambolic. Yep. You can't put that on the negative side for England by any means. But nope. in the context of their other four matches, they should have gone out to Nigeria in the round of 16. Agree. And it's a shame for Colombia that they picked up those couple of injuries as well, which helped England, I'm sure. Mm. They may still mm. have gone through anyway, but... Mm. It's they're getting a lot of things going their way, England. They're getting a lot of the rub of the ground in this tournament. Two things, Nathan, with Colombia. One, I don't believe they believe they could win, right? And it's harsh for me to say so, but on the balance of play and the way that the game played out in front of us, Colombia were up for it. They were relying on the crowd for a period of time. But as soon as that first goal goes in, going into halftime, I think they lost their bundle. Yeah, it was right on the stroke of halftime. Yep, I think they lost think their bundle. If they went into halftime 1-0 up, and we should mention the goal... No way was it deliberate, the oh, Colombian goal. Not a chance. There's been talk about it, right? And we've enjoyed Optus Sports coverage and they're not a sponsor and it's absolutely brilliant. However, for anyone to contend that she that Lacey Santos meant that, oh, I find it hard to believe. No way. No way. Right. She was backing off, anticipating a clearing header as if it was a cross. Yep. She wasn't really ready to celebrate the slightest. Yep. Yeah. It, no it was way. A, it, was a a it was a cross. It was a cross meant for the back post and the hit of hope. Yep. Okay. The fact that um, Mary Epps is just caught out of position slightly, and she isn't caught out of position by much, right? I mean, it just, there's nothing in it, mm. right? Because the telltale for me is that she isn't even looking, scanning when she receives the ball, Santos. Yes, she knows where the goal is, but yeah, I, I just find it. Yeah. She didn't look know, up to see uh, where Mary Epps was. Yeah. No. So that's the telltale for me, but I stand to be corrected, right? Um, that said, great goal. <laughs> Great goal. Took everyone by surprise at the stadium, I can tell you. It Would have a been a massive goal. noise. There was a massive noise. But mm. uh, didn't last long. Didn't last long. No, no. Didn't last long, right? As much as the Colombian crowd tried to push the Colombian side, and I think they missed a, a treat with regards to the way that they played Linda Quesada. I think they needed to actually find ways to get her onto the ball more and to be able to turn defenders and go one-on-one against defenders, which they didn't do. Because she's so dangerous. She's incredible wife. She's the first time I've seen her live. Absolutely incredible player. Yeah, I can attest to that. Every time she touches the ball, you just hold your breath because something's going to happen. And she's so fleet of foot. Mm, I agree. A nightmare to try and tackle. Yep. And there's been so many moments for Linda Caicedo this tournament. And it's a shame we didn't get one last night. I agree. And yes, you're right. that They should have done more to get her on the ball and face up Lucy Bronze or... Correct. The uh, outside right centre back. Carter. Carter. Yeah. She, you know, there was it. only one time that they that she actually took on Carter and Carter mm. was just backed off so she could have her in front of her, right? So she could see which way she was going to move as soon as that happened, right? So that's a telltale that, hey, put her in the position where she can actually take on Carter, right? Or for that matter, Bright. I mean, you know, they're great defenders, but still, if you get them going backwards and they're trying to turn, you tell me which way it's going to go. It's yeah. only a matter of time. So... But um, yeah, so Colombia, look, great tournament by Colombia. Um, you know, a breakthrough tournament for them. They've obviously got a bright future. As, you know, most of that side is young. And I think they'll be South America's force to be reckoned with for a little while yet. It'll Absolutely. Be between, it'll be between them and Brazil, obviously, out of South America. Yeah, yeah. And very much looking forward to see how Linda Caicedo gets on in her career because she's such an amazing talent at 18 years of age. 
teammate of Hayley Ratto. Yes. There you go. <laughs> That's going to be a fun team to watch this season. <laughs> it will be. Cannot wait for it. Cannot wait for it. But yes, hats off to Colombia. A great tournament, a quarterfinal. No one was expecting them to get this far. And uh, I can say that the, that Linda Caicedo goal against Germany is the best goal I've seen live. Mm-hmm. And it will take some beating as well, I think. Okay. So they've delivered so much on the field, in the stands. They've been, I think, a lot of people's second team across yeah. this tournament. So thank you yeah. to Colombia for what they've brought to this Women's World Cup. And yes, unfortunately, yeah. it's the end of the road. But England go through. Yep. And what do you make of England? What of England, Nathan? I think they're beatable. Mm. And I was talking before the game because the question came up once the Matildas went through. Who do you want? If you could pick, who do you want? England or Colombia? And I said England. I said I'd rather play England than Colombia because partly because what I said earlier, that China aside, they've ridden their luck a lot of times during this tournament. They've mm-hmm. got away with games. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, I think Colombia are a nightmare team to play against. They're such a gritty team. If they they frustrate. Yeah. And they're the masters of the dark arts, which is not a negative in the slightest. Mm-hmm. I think Australia against Colombia would have been a, a tougher proposition. Tactically as well, because the Matildas would have most of the possession against Colombia, mm-hmm. which is not playing into our strength. Yeah. yeah, And it's the reverse for Australia against England. Not a full reverse, but at least there's a lot more even. It makes sense. It makes sense. I think France were more formidable than, than England, having seen both France and England a couple of times this tournament. And I think that, yeah, I, I think that uh, you're right that Colombia would have been a really plucky opponent for the Matildas. But we're familiar with England. You know, both teams know each other well. They've played a friendly, which doesn't count for anything. But it's game on on Wednesday and looking forward to it. It'll be a fascinating affair. But Laz, we shall turn our attention to Friday, where we had another set of quarterfinals. Yep. And two massive results. And setting up a semifinal between Spain and Sweden. Didn't mean to talk over the top of you there, Nathan, but do you want to share with all the Backpeg listeners this kind of 72 hours that you've had? Because... Is this going to turn into a bit of a travel show? Yes, it is going to. Because <laughs> people were asking me, how did the Backpeg get to Wellington for quarterfinal one? Well, here's the answer. Yes, me with uh, my Dutch heritage. Uh, took a little bit of a um, an impulse trip across the ditch to go and support the Dutchies against Spain. And it was a wild couple of days. I bet. Finish finished work on Thursday afternoon, straight to the airport, flew into Auckland, spent a couple hours in the wee hours of the morning at Auckland International, uh, and then domestic flight to Wellington, arrive in the morning, and yes, just soaking it all in in Wellington. It's a great place to be. Yeah, it, it looked really, really it looked great on TV, I have to say. It looked like it was an mm. absolute cracking day weather-wise, and yeah, just the atmosphere looked really good too. Well, it was cracking in the sense that uh, there was no sun rain. Was yeah, the sun, sun was, was out. out. Yes. <laughs> but it was cold. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> it's the first time I've been to the Caked Inn mm-hmm. to see any event there. And yes, it's an oval ground, but to its credit, it's not circular like the MCG, SCG, sure. something else of that nature. It is as close, as sharp of an oval as they can make it. Sure. And it's honestly not that bad to watch a game at. You don't feel a, mi- a million miles away yeah. from the action. Good. And so many people, so many international people around Wellington. When I was there, there was plenty of Americans. I was going to ask, how many Americans were there, Nathan? There were so many Americans. And <laughs> Sorry, I I think... shouldn't, we shouldn't laugh. I mean, but that's, I mean, we can, but, you know, it's disparaging us as hosts. A little bit. Because um, I, I, I thought about it, and if the US had won their group and kept winning the games, they would have played three in Wellington two mm. in Auckland, and two in Sydney. Correct. So if you're travelling out, it would make sense to base yourself in Wellington. Correct. So there was plenty around, not just at the game, but there was everywhere I went in Wellington, there was an American accent around the corner. Awesome. And in terms of the two teams, I think the Spanish supporters were outnumbered by about 10 to 1. Not surprising. There was so so much orange around as well. And yes, it's a shame the Dutchies go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk about the game in a moment. But following the game, went and saw a concert in the evening. And I was keeping tabs with Sweden, Japan, which we'll come on to. Yep. And then fly home Saturday morning, catch up on some much-needed sleep, and then straight into it for the Matildas. And now we're here. And it's amazing, amazing yeah. to go over there. Because I will say, I had, I've had i had a little bit of a travel itch for this tournament. Yes. Because I've long thought I want to go and see a game, say, at Suncorp. Sure. Or Brisbane Stadium. Or yep. at High Marsh. Yep. And 
this would have been the perfect opportunity to do it. I wasn't able to get up to Brisbane or across to Adelaide, so I thought, hey, what the hell? Hey, half your luck and all power to you. And look, uh, thankfully, we were not a video uh, podcast because you do look slightly worse for wear, <laughs> just slightly. <laughs> like you're not your normal resplendent self, but, you know, hey, that's totally fair enough and understandable given the amount of travel that you've just uh, pushed your body through and mm-hmm. gone and come back and concerts and and the like and Hey, but it's all hung, worth it. Slightly hungover, but it's all good. It's 100% worth it. <laughs> completely, <laughs> completely. <laughs> no, well done, well done. So to the game, I think the right result happened though, unfortunately for the Dutch. I think Spain were deserving of the win, irrespective of the yes. circumstances. Irrespective of the circumstances. Yes, I think so. It's just the way it comes about where Berenstain misses a chance, oh. then Spain go up the other end and score yes. the winner. Yeah, 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 that's Yes, true. Spain were the better team on the balance of play. But just the way it came out at the end, heartbreaking, really. She had so many chances across the game, Leonard <sighs> Bernstein. It's true. She could have she had a hat wasteful. trick. She was wasteful. She was. And yes, plenty of Americans have uh, piped up after she was talking about their exit before the game. Of course they have. And yeah, I can't blame them either. Anyone, of, of, what, any, anyone what, of note? <laughs> uh, there's been a few around. Okay. Been enough. a few around. Um, they're all saying what goes around comes around. And to be fair, it comes all the way back around. Mm. Um. Yeah, but history will always have the Netherlands finishing higher than the Americans in this World Cup. So she doesn't have to worry about that. <laughs> yes, yes, they can have that. Um, just on the game, Spain were the better side, but I... Okay, question. Yeah, How good on. were they live? How good were Spain live compared to... They like... were, yeah, they were really good to see. Yeah. They moved the ball around so well, and they did to the Dutch what the Dutch did to South Africa. Gotcha. In that sense. Yep. They moved the ball around so well, and the Netherlands were just that. All they could do was just sit back and hold out and retain their shape and just wait for an opportunity. They were a little bit wasteful themselves, Spain. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, look, took a goal from the spot to take the lead, and Van der Graaf with a penalty, which is a hundred percent clear penalty. I don't know what she's trying to play out there. Okay, and, question, question. Mm, on that penalty, right? Her feet are outside of the penalty box. Her hand, I would say, well, if your feet, you know, your feet and your hands kind of, you know, work in symmetry, I guess, you know, the ball happens to bounce inside the penalty box. I obviously went to VAR, right, and the rule, the rules were obviously adhered to. But, geez, that's a point of contention for mine, especially with VAR. I mean, you, you can draw lines there. you got to see if she's in the box or not. Yes, the yeah, ball I, ends up in the box. But, I don't uh, think they would have had a camera that would have been yeah. absolutely clear cut. Yeah. I think it probably would have been on the line. Yeah. Yeah, near enough to it, partially on the line to constitute a penalty. You put yourself in that position, it's you, yeah. you, you run the risk, don't you? That you do, but great that she was able to get the equaliser. What a finish, by the way. Goal of the quarterfinal phase. Yeah, everyone in the ground thought she was offside. <laughs> what a run. <laughs> like, what yeah. a run, though. It yes, was so the run of a striker. And, and look, that's where the Dutch coach got it right, as far as, I mean, and you even uh, said, you know, at some point, you thought, hang on, is this the right call? Yep. Just yeah, just to you know, tell us what you thought at the ground at that time when that substitutions were happening and they yeah, pushed and rocked up. Yeah, and really, she took a goal better than any of the strikers did, and she showed them what to do up front. And it was a case of send her up there. It was surprising to see her get sent up there as uh, as was needed. It was a case of just go for it, send bodies forward. Bring off the likes of Spitzer, who wasn't having a great game. That's right. She was getting no help either. Yeah. That change happened after the penalty straight away, effectively, Mm. didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, It was a a great call by the Dutch coach. Yeah. I think if you're asking me about the battle of the managers, second half, the Dutch coach came out on top. I think initial setup for the game. Silver. It was silver. Mm. I liked that they stuck Jackie Gruden on Bon Marti. Yeah. Pretty much the entire game. It was a, a, what they call a, a man marking job. Yeah, it was. A woman marking job, even. Yeah. Oh, um, was, uh, yeah. And that did nullify her completely. Mm. But what it did do is it left so much space elsewhere mm. in front That's of right. the defensive line. And, and so you, much space. And you could see the chances that Spain had in the first half. Yeah. That that, that was the issue that was created. Mm. And I think they did fix it later on in the game. Mm. Uh, bringing off Jill Broad was a bit of a surprise, yep. given how prolific she's been at this tournament. Mm. Is that right? Uh, bringing Pullover. It was a right call. Bringing Pullover into midfield helped out. A bit more solidity there. And in the second half, I think the Netherlands were the better side. I agree with you. It was just the case that they couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. And that game, 
such a finely balanced affair. I think if Daniel van der Donk played, the result might have been different. That's how close it would have been. Yeah. Um, but yes, Spain, they're a great team. They really are. And they're a tough proposition in the semi-final. That they are. That they are. That they are. And we'll talk about their opponents now. So we'll talk about the other quarterfinal. Let's do it. Laz, you watch the game. Hang on. Just before that, though, I want to mm. say, and can we get the Dutch pronunciation of the Netherlands goalkeeper, please? Van Domschela. Van, Van Domschela, right? Van Domschela. Absolutely yeah. great uh, saves pulled off in the first half. Kept the Netherlands in that game again, right? It was, it was just incredible. Good performance. And really unlucky half. with the penalty as well, off coming off the post at him. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. But yes, you're right. I did watch Japan versus Sweden while you were out gallivanting around at a concert. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I but, saw the uh, Rubens, by the way. That's who it was. Hey, and that's fair enough, right? So, but, and how were they? They were good? They were good. They were good. good. Awesome. It was the awesome. first time they'd been to Wellington for seven years. And they said at the top of the show, it's a bit of a, a litmus test to see if uh, anyone remembers who the hell they are. <laughs> and people remembered, which is good. Yep. Awesome. Yes, but Japan, Sweden, it's sad to see the Japanese team, who have probably been the best technical football team at this tournament, go out on the basis of a poor 45 minutes. And that was really what it came down to. The first 45 minutes of their quarterfinal against Sweden cost them dearly. And... Unfortunately, you know they, they struggled and they weren't able to to do anything in the first half. Sweden were just wow, incredible, incredible, incredible performance by Sweden. And I know I did say I think thought Spain would come from the New Zealand half of the draw to be in the final, but now it's a fifty. I mean, I know it's a fifty-fifty, to, you know, toss of the coin. But really, this game between Spain, this semi-final coming up between Spain and Sweden, is really a, a flip of the coin job. Yeah. I think I'm at Sweden's slight favourites. So do I, based on the performance that I saw against Japan. Just their route so far in this knockout phase. Yes, Spain have had tough opponents as well, but to get through the US, two-time defending champions, and to get through Japan, who arguably arguably have been the best team at this tournament, I think that puts them in very good stead for the semi-final. If the Japanese goal came about 10 minutes earlier, I think we might be talking about extra time penalties here. Because Japan were on the on the hunt, it's just a shame that they couldn't get the goal earlier. Because Sweden were there for the taking. Um, because the game did change in the second half. Is it as simple as when Ueki came on? No, the game changed momentum before that, but that just it just further enhanced the change in the game. To be fair, um, and look, Sweden were. I mean, as Lani's shot against the against the post, mind you, the Japanese keeper gets fingertips to it and pushes it onto the post it, again. Just incredible goalkeeping, right? It was just just absolutely brilliant play. Sweden were absolutely phenomenal in that first 45 minutes. I can't I can't put it any other way. That was the Sweden that I expected to see against the United States. That's it. You know, just absolutely pressured Japan. Japan couldn't play. They couldn't string passes together. They couldn't get forward up the pitch. It was just, you know, an incredible performance. And then in the second half when Sweden were put on the back foot, Japan were pressing them. And they found the way to get through them. Musovic saves, you know, saves their skin a couple of times again. You know, he's got but, to be keeping the tournament now. Oh, Her only competition oh, is Mackenzie Arnold. You know, I think whoever, whichever team came out of that quarterfinal yesterday between Australia and France, their keeper would have a strong argument about it, mm. right? But um, yeah, well, so on that basis, yes, Mackenzie Arnold is close. But Erps has yeah. been pretty solid as well for England, to be fair. Yeah, she has, of course. Like, yeah. you know, but yeah, it, but Sweden were just phenomenal. And this is a tasty affair this coming Tuesday at Eden Park. And a great, another bumper crowd for yeah. Japan, Sweden, which is good to see. Fantastic, fantastic. And I'm sure the semi-final on Tuesday will be sold out. It should be. And it yeah, should it should be. be. The That's final it. game in New Zealand. It's looking like a fantastic game in prospect. And it might go extra time and penalties. Nathan, this could, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, it's that close again. Like I said, it's a toss of the coin job, this one. Yeah, and it could definitely happen. Where Plus, we get... said we said coming into the quarterfinals that these four games are all so close. Yep. Coming out of the quarterfinal round, mm. it has been that close. Every yes. game was on a knife edge. Yep. Yeah. Had... Maybe with the exception of that of of Sweden Japan, but they were rallying big time towards the end. Well, Sweden had to rely on a penalty too, same way Spain did, uh, yeah. right? Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. So all four quarterfinals were quality. If you want to go through the highlight of your, of the quarterfinal phase, unbiased, you'd have to say Australia-France. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You'd course. have to. 
okay, because of the drama that was, you know, and the quality of football that was on display and the nature of the game. It was just, you know, those three hours just passed by very quickly, <laughs> right? Or close enough on three hours. Well, it was, it was more than three hours, actually. So, mm. yeah, it's just incredible. Um, but I'll tell you what, perform, you know, I don't think there was anyone. Okay, the disappointment I'm going to say is Japan's first half. I was disappointed with that. I expected more. Um, so that was the only disappointing thing I can put, you know, um, as the disappointment of the quarterfinal phase. I don't know what you thought about it. I mean, I think you've since catched, caught up on it. but I think, yeah, that has to go down as a big disappointment. As the only previous champion left in the draw, Japan. Good point. And how they had looked in this tournament, they didn't really look contested in any of the matches coming up to this quarterfinal. Mm. I said it before, I think up to and including the round of 16 stage, the Japanese were the best side of this World Cup. Oh, agreed, agreed. And for them to be going out, yes, yeah, Sweden are a great side, but particularly in that first half to be shown up in that manner, it's a big disappointment. Yep. In terms of highlights, yes, of course, last night. And we should also mention that all football across the country, I believe it was, got mm. rescheduled and yep. moved around to yep. make clear air for the Matildas, which is fantastic to see. Something that should have been done for the A-League Grand Final. We mentioned Correct. that at the time. Correct. And Great to see that they've actually taken the initiative and rescheduled all the games. Full credit to all the governing bodies and the football federations. Well done. Because it would have been a great shame to uh, have people playing football whilst the Matildas are on and potentially miss that uh, wonderful moment for Australian football. I think goal of the tournament, Laz. Yes, I might go for, for Van der Graaft. <laughs> oh, uh, goal of the quarterfinal phase, I agree. Uh, yeah, goal of the quarterfinal, I mean, yes. Yep. No, it has to be Van der Graaft. Performance of the quarterfinal phase. Mm, team performance. Who's the performance best team in the quarterfinals? I'm going to say Sweden. That's tricky. It really is tricky. I don't think you can really cut it between the four teams. It's really close. They're all in dogfights and they all yep. come out the other side. Sweden, Sweden might edge it. Sweden for their yeah. first 45 minutes. And that would do it, yeah. Yep. Individual performance. I'm going Mackenzie Arnold. I'm sorry. You've taken it. <laughs> I'm going I'm yeah. going there. It has to yeah. be. Yeah, you've uh, you've stole my thunder there. For uh, the... Sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. But no, no, no. Go on. For the drama, for the, you know, intestinal and mental fortitude show, can't be beaten. That's what sport's about. It's the ups and the downs, and and that is what personified in Mackenzie Arnold because hell of a performance in goal. Um, you know, commanded the box whenever she had to. Um, even when you know uh, she commanded her defenders whenever she had to. It was a very tricky situation. She pulled off some quality saves. The penalty shootout is one that'll go down in history. And to pull off the saves that she did, miss the winning penalty or the potential winning, winning you know, winning penalty. And come back and save and then go through the retake, like we said earlier. That's just an incredible performance all around. Yeah, I don't think I can top that in terms of an individual performer. I think shout out to Claire Hunt again. Mm -hmm. I said it before, one of Australia's top three. I've got it Yep, for this tournament. I agree with you. And again, after last night, she's come from absolutely nowhere. And really, I think if she wasn't a part of the setup, the Matils wouldn't be at this stage of the tournament. Uh, I can't disagree with you, Nathan. She's been phenomenal. Absolutely and phenomenal. I'd be very surprised if she's playing for Western Sydney next season. Something tells me that she might get a move across to Europe, uh, bef- you know, at straight after this World- Women's World Cup, I think. I think that's on the cards. Yeah, I think Cooney Cross is in for a move as well. Yeah, just got a hunch. She's yeah, out of Sweden. Had a great so. tournament. Yep, she has. She has. Indeed. So, shall we move on to the preview of this upcoming semi-final round? Let's do it. Two okay. unbelievable semi-finals in prospect. Tuesday night, Spain, Sweden. And sorry to steal your thunder there, Nathan. We've mentioned, as you mentioned earlier, a new World Cup winner will be crowned. Mm, which yes. Is, you know, which is of significant importance. So, yeah, it's it's in, a, a, truly a historic moment for, uh, for, for football. Not just women's football, but for football. And it just shows that so many of the countries, I think, in particular European countries, are catching up and they're closing the gap. The likes they've, of Spain. They've caught up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've yeah. caught up. That's it. That's the right way to put it now. They yeah, have caught up. caught up. up. Mm. And I think if you were to say there'd be a new champion in the Men's World Cup, it would have more credence to it just because they've been going for much longer and all of the big nations, with the exception of the Dutch, have won a World Cup in the Men's previously. Okay, I'll let you as get I say, away. As, I'll as let, I say I'll, I'll let you get away with that. I'll let you get away with that. But go on. <laughs> I'm not um, going to pull you up on that. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
In the women's game, yes, they haven't been going for as long. The US have won as many as they have. A new champion is kind of to be expected as women's football gets more and more funding put into it and more and more teams get to the top level. It's still great to see. And whoever does end up winning on the 20th, it's going to be something spectacular, something amazing. And I think getting a ticket for the final was difficult pre-tournament. It was difficult in the early stage of the tournament and impossible now. It's impossible now. (laughs) Yep. Wednesday night's impossible to get a ticket Mm. for. Luckily enough, I was able to get some tickets before the tournament started. Good on you. Well done. Uh, so I'll be, I'll be out there on Wednesday night. That was not only possible. So let's just, uh, and congratulations and look forward to speaking to you on Wednesday night about it. Hopefully we, uh, with a win. Yes. But um, that'll be another late night. So I will. I I'm going to stand myself for that one. <laughs> but let's get on to the matters at hand. Engl- uh, England, Spain versus Sweden out of Eden Park, Auckland, 5 p.m. Tuesday. Thoughts? It's really tricky to assess how this game will play out. Spain are a really good technical side. They create lots of chances when they have space. I'll add that caveat, mm-hmm. which is pr- the case for pretty much every team. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. I think they can be shut down. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a, not a blueprint, but the early workings of a blueprint on how to beat Spain provided by the Dutch. They didn't get it perfectly right. Of course not. They go home, of course. But... Sweden can take some things from what happened on Friday and execute better. I think if you put someone on Bomati for the entire game, that kind of shuts the midfield down. And mm. if you build the rest of the team to negate what goes on in the wings, then really you can frustrate the Spanish team. And I don't think I have necessarily the faith in the touchline to sort out a tactical battle if it's going wrong from the Spanish game. I think Sweden coming into it, as said previously, are in a better spot, having knocked out America and Japan. I think Sweden have a better set-piece threat, and I mean, you can obviously tell which way I'm going yep. based on what I've been talking, and I think Sweden are going through. I agree with you. I know I picked Spain during our bracket prediction mm-hmm. episode. And we both said Japan in the quarterfinals. And we both said Japan <laughs> in the quarterfinals, but um, as given the games that have, fought, you know, and the way they've unfolded since the round of 16... And based on the performance against Japan, uh, I'm going to go Sweden. I think Sweden knock off Spain. And I actually think they do it in 90 minutes. Wow. Yeah. I think they do it 2-0. With set set pieces. Yep. I'm not going to go as confident and say they'll get it done in 90 minutes. I do think I might go beyond 90. But it's going to be amazing to see. So guess who scores a goal for Sweden, Nathan? It's got to be Ilstedt, doesn't it? I agree. Lethal. She'll score one, at least. And I think that'll put her in golden boot. Like a, a, you know, as the head for the Golden Boot score or race, I should say. I think we should be, be on, we should should be on five. Yes, and Mizar was on five. Yep, as it stands, uh, it'd be great to see a defender pick up Golden Boot, wouldn't it? It's unusual. Mm. Yeah, I, um, you know, tucked away a good finish on Friday, and um, I think she will bob up and score again against Spain. So and, I see Sweden Sweden going through to the final. And looking at some of these other scorers on four goals, you've also got Jill Rod who's out. Diani's gone home. Alexandra Pop no longer here. To get up to Miyazawa's five, you're looking at a double from uh, Hermoso or Bonmati. Mm-hmm. Lauren James would be some effort to get up to five, yep. considering she's out of the semi final, which we'll come on to. Mm-hmm. But yes, we're getting a narrow field for Golden Boot winner. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will be Amanda Illichstedt. There you go. So that's what I think is uh, going to unfold. I think Sweden win 2 0 in 90 minutes. Sweden on penalties. I agree. Okay. That's cool. And then England, Australia versus England. The, the biggest football game there has ever been in Australia. Yes. And there will ever be for quite some time. World Cup semi-final. With the exception of a final, if the Matildas right. win. Mm-hmm. World Cup semi-final. Mm. Incredible. Incredible. How do we think this is going to play out? I think with the one exception potentially on the fatigue front, mm-hmm. the Matildas should be able to handle England. Based on what we've seen, I think the Matildas have had a much better tournament than England thus far. Agree. They've played better. Agree. Even when you account for the Nigeria match, I think overall, Australia have had a better tournament. Agreed. It's just a case of whether Australia can take their chances. As we mentioned again in the review, Mary Fowler had opportunities to score one, two, maybe three goals. Mm -hmm. It's those sort of opportunities that you need to take in a semi-final. Yep. No, I agree. For England, you're right when you say that they're missing something. They don't have that cutting edge. Yeah. Aside from Lauren James. Yeah. Well, yes. She's also missing. And... Mm -hmm. um. Georgia Stanway's been their best player this tournament. Agree. She's probably in line to get in the team of the tournament, which we might do 
at the end of the, at, when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. I think they can do it. I said previously. I think, yeah, I think last night was the World Cup semi-final in the sense that the winner would go through to mm-hmm. the final. If whichever way it panned out, Australia or France against England or Colombia, I would have been tipping the winner of last night to go to the final. Yep. And maybe win the whole thing. I think that's what we said in our quarterfinal preview. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, that I believe the winner of the World Cup will come from Australia versus France. Either way, it shakes out. And I still maintain that. I think Australia will defeat England. They're definitely good enough to defeat them. England will pose threats, there's no doubt. But, and it's not a fate to complete by any stretch. Of course not. But uh, I think France posed certain questions to Australia strategically that England may not, even allowing for potentially the best manager you know, at this World Cup in Serena Beekman. Yeah, you're right. And it's going to be amazing to see. Everyone is going to be tuning into this game. The ratings are going to be off the charts even more so. And Australians don't need an excuse to get up for a sporting contest against England. That doesn't even play into it for mine. Yes, it does. Like, okay, yeah. It does, yes. It does, but really, not, not- purely down to football ability and, mm. and, and the tournaments that the way that the tournament has unfolded for both Australia versus England, I believe Australia's had the stronger tournament, faced a stronger opposition, and I believe that Australia are in better nick, allowing for, like you said, the proviso of the physical toll that mm. last night took on them. Um, that's the only variable that I think could play a factor, but I think Australia is mentally and physically strong enough to withstand that. And this whole tournament, even though We've been critical of Tony J at times. The bigger picture stuff, I think he's got right. Yeah, I think we can agree on that. And great to see him in the post-match as well, mm. getting emotional and uh, everything that goes with that. Laz, Australia against England in the semi-final. Oof. We got one over on them in the cricket and then the netball. Uh, can we make that, a three in a row? That, they don't count. I'm not disparaging <laughs> those sports. But I, look, you know, I'm respectful of all sports, right? Uh, I do take the mickey out of some sports occasionally, but I don't... You know you sound like El Presidente when you say that. Yes. Today I feel... But uh, (laughs) having said that, (laughs) having said that, uh, I think Australia will defeat England and go on to the World Cup final to play Sweden. And Australia will wear the mint because they'll be the away team in the final. Oh, they will too. They will too, yes. So there you go. There you have it. Would we wear the mint against Spain? Is red and yellow a kick clash? Not sure. Let FIFA worry about that, but I know that yeah. Sweden will be the home team if Sweden gets through to the, to the final. <laughs> <laughs> oh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a magical night on Wednesday night. Try and get a ticket if you can. All I can say is good luck. Yep. And uh, in any note, case, yep. in any case, we'll be back on Thursday morning for a pod. Hopefully jubilant as we are on this one. Thank oh. you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much to you, Laz, for joining us. And you know, and we'll speak to you soon. Go the Matildas. Go the Matildas. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the football.